You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That Ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. I think what you're trying to ask is uh, why am I so insistent upon giving out to them that blackness, that black power, that black pushing them to identify with uh, 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 black culture. I think that's what you're asking. It, it, I have no choice over it in the first place. To me, we are the most beautiful creatures in the whole world, black people. I mean, and I mean that in every, every sense, uh, outside and inside. And to me, we have a culture that uh, is surpassed by, 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 by no other civilization, but we don't know anything about it. So again, I think I've said this before in the same interview, I think uh, at some time before, my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross. And welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of intelligent radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America is afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Good morning, Latrice. Thank you, Queen, for being in the saddle with me once again. It's been a while since we had you serve as your Queen of Intellect co-host role, but glad to have you back, Queen. Had a good time at the live experience with you last night. If you will, say hello to the intellectual outcasts out there listening, and we'll get our guest introduced as well. But again, glad to have you back, Queen. Good morning, Montoya. Glad to be back and looking forward to today's discussion. No, absolutely, and we'll introduce our special guests, uh, two special guests here, Roosevelt and Renita Quick. Uh, thank you, King and Queen, for being with us this morning as we have a very interesting show from the standpoint of we're known for doing hard conversations on race, sex, and culture, but we rarely touch this topic, and we're glad to have both of you on. So if you will, uh, introduce yourselves to the intellectual outcasts out there listening and give whatever background you would like to give as it relates to this morning's discussion question before we let the cat out the bag on that question. But, again, thank you both for being with uh. us. All right, Montoya, I really do appreciate it. Latrice, nice to meet you. And I would just like to say we are Roosevelt and Renita Quick. We are transplants to the Atlanta, Georgia area from uh, Dayton, Ohio. We lived in Dayton, Ohio for 30 years. And then uh, back in 2020, we made the transition here uh, to Atlanta, Georgia. So we're glad to be here. We have been married for 33 years. We were college sweethearts, and uh, so that's just a little bit about us, and I'll let uh, Rita share a little bit from her perspective. Yeah. Well, we are, again, good morning, uh, Montoya, and good morning, Latrice, and good morning, the audience. Uh, we are, again, uh, Roosevelt and Renita Quick. We have three, son, three adult sons, and we are coaches, teachers, ministers, mentors, to, uh, and we've done that for 25-plus years uh, for thousands of couples uh, that are married and unmarried, as well as high school students that we do uh, relationship 
and uh, marriage and relationship classes for. And so we're excited to be here, and we're excited to delve into this question about how God relates to marriage and whether he is in or out, or have we taken him in or out? So we're excited. No, I love it. Glad to have you on. Again, we're not afraid of these hard topics, as I highlighted for some of the promotions into this week, that um, typically we um, touch politics or keep it limited to a couple times a week because people are so kind of steadfast in their positioning, and then we typically stay away from religion because one is so personal to people, and we understand uh, people have their faith and their beliefs. And so because we like to specialize in hard dialogue, the goal is that um, each you know, we bring all sides to the table, if you will, and kind of have a gumbo conversation where we're actually trying to tune in and listen to one another. And so these are, this is one area where I feel like people typically won't listen, but I think I have a couple of good guests to get into this conversation from all angles, if you will. And so this morning's discussion question, again, if you're a first-time listener, I do go by Black Socrates. We try to take the Socratic method, if you will, to any of these topics, in particular to the African-American community. And I think this is one of the importance, just in the sense that we're always talking about, if you will, the strength of the black family. And so anytime that we can talk about the opportunity to strengthen families on any accord, or it is well worth the discussion, but to let the cat out the bag on this morning's discussion question, we have asked, have we taken God out of marriage? Have we taken God out of marriage? Uh, Latrice, you know how we like to start the show, and um, if you will, Roosevelt or Anita, y'all can follow lead, uh, but the way we start the show is typically just to ask, what was the first initial thought that, you, that came to your mind immediately when you heard the question worded this particular way? So we're not going to go too deep into the second or third thought but just the initial thought that popped in your head when I said, hey, here's the show that we're doing. Here's the question. So if you will, Latrice, you know, I invited you as a special guest co-host. But when I said, have we taken God out of marriage? What popped in your head, Queen? Are you sure you want me as a co-host? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, That's exactly what you said. It may take you but a second <laughs> <laughs> to, to immediately respond to the question. <laughs> So I was going to call you out if you had to say anything else. <laughs> no, that is precisely what I said. That is the first thing that, that popped into my head because, yeah. I, I, hey, no doubt, no doubt. Let's, uh, let's take yeah. it back to Roosevelt and Renita. I'll ask you all both the same question. I don't know if you had a time to, in a sense, contemplate or recall when you saw the question worded that particular way, what was your, in a sense, visual, visceral reaction to that particular question? Uh, Roosevelt, Renita, either one of you can kind of give me your thoughts. My, my first reaction was, I think that is a wonderful, wonderful question because uh, from, just from my, from my perspective, I look at it as marriage is an institution that God created. And so I believe it is a beautiful question to, uh, to ask and to dialogue about. No, absolutely. And my first person, yeah. I'm sorry, Montaya. Uh, my first response was, wow, we're just going to dive and jump right on in there. So uh, I think both of us have been really excited about just approaching the topic and, uh, you know, just a way that, that, that we feel is best to be able to share from our perspective as well as hearing the perspectives of others. No, I love it. And, you know, and I, you know, I think I may have kind of broke it down to you, Radita. Um, and for those that don't know, um, I don't do a lot of preparation with my co-hosts. I don't think I really even described this to a lot of the listeners or whatever. And those that have been listening for a long time, I think they've picked up on this. I don't do a lot of preparation with my co-hosts or with my guests. Now, I prepare for the show, and people know that very well, just based on how we do the show. Uh, but I like to get 
people's real raw reaction. So if you are a first-time listener, uh, we're really, what you're about to hear is really our first time talking about it, other than my guest, as well as Latrice, hearing the particular question. However, I did highlight, and I'm, I'm pointing this out because I typically don't even do this, when I spoke with Danita, um, understanding their position um, with Enduring Love Ministries and things of that nature, I just highlighted, I said, hey, we don't typically touch this subject don't mind touching it uh, but just understand it's going to be a full conversation in full context and we're just going to dialogue about the subject matter from each other's viewpoint and so hopefully for those out there listening as i highlighted into the show we typically don't touch religion if you will and not saying that this is particularly a religious show if you will but i'm just highlighting that we're just having a dialogue for all perspectives that are out there in current times. So that's why I even came up with the question from the standpoint of, um, as um, Roosevelt said, from his position, uh, marriage is an institution that came from God. Uh, I asked the question in particular current times, does it seems from my viewpoint that God has been taken out of marriage, even me growing up in, if you will, a Southern Baptist church, hearing marriage being under that covenant, if you will, and I see marriage in a sense God seems to not be in marriage in general from a societal standpoint or less involved, if you will. So that's kind of just even giving some background on how I came up with the question. Uh, so we are going to go to our first quick initial break. Uh, we're going to hear a cut from Umar Johnson. If y'all know who he is, he will set this off and we will get into current discussions about this question based on this cut, I believe. So the first, again, the question for this morning is, have we taken God out of marriage? We will be right back. Um, I see a caller out there on the line. If you're online and want to get in on this morning's discussion, you can join us at 646-787-1691. Again, that's 646-787-1691. And you have to press 1 to let us know you want to speak. We'll be right back. Well, all I ask is that you think. Calling all married couples. Have you planned your Valentine's Day weekend getaway? If not, we recommend you reignite your passion in your marriage at the Oneness Experience Weekend, February the 16th through 18th, 2024. Brought to you by Enduring Love Ministries, hosts Roosevelt and Renita Quick, authors of The Power of Agreement and 30 Years of Marriage Experience, ask couples to reconnect, rekindle, and recommit to their marriages. Are you yearning for a deeper, more purposeful connection in your marriage? If so, the Oneness Experience is for you and your spouse. Taking place in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina, experience an anointed weekend with plenty of couples activities, marriage enrichment sessions, such as the strength of seduction and ample quality time together. Again, the Oneness Experience Weekend takes place February the 16th through 18th. For registration details, please visit Enduring Love Ministries International at ELMINTL.org. Again, that is ELMINTL.org. Tickets are going fast. The black church caters to the black woman. And the reason the black church caters to the black woman is because the black woman is the provider. She has more income and education than the man. So they look at this financially. They also have a vested interest in her never getting married. The pastor is the metaphorical husband of all the single women in the community. I'm not saying he's sleeping with them. I'm saying he's keeping them so distracted with Jesus that they never find a husband, and that's the way he wants it to stay. Because if she finds a husband, she won't have as much time to be donating to the church home. Wow. So the black church benefits from single motherhood. They don't want our sisters married because their pockets would go down. Welcome back 
to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross. This morning's discussion question, have we taken God out of marriage? Our special guests are Roosevelt and Manita Quick. Uh, thank you both for sponsoring today's show. We'll get into the one this weekend a little more later in the show, but just wanted to thank you all for sponsoring today's show. As we just heard a cut from None other than Umar Johnson. Not not sure if y'all are familiar with him, but he was actually on the Hartley Initiated podcast, and he was highlighting uh, a sentiment that I feel like I've I've explored really years ago, maybe 20 years ago. There was this thought that hey, there was a lot of less men in church, and this is a dynamic that he that I heard him speak to recently that I kind of knew seemed to exist. And people would have discussions kind of outside of the church, if you will, about less men being in church and the role of the pastor in church. And so I thought that was a good way to kick off this morning show of have we taken um, God out of church. But both of you, as, the, as your special guests, what is your reaction to hearing a one Umar Johnson throwing out a sentiment that I think has been around for well over 20 plus years in, in, in the sense, the current sense of how I see the church as a whole and those thoughts existing about the role of the pastor today in their, in their um, constituents' lives, if you will. Y'all thoughts? Mm-hmm. Very, very good. So, so the first thing is I, I, I thought about it, and, and even as you talk about uh, a sentiment that, uh, that maybe you, you've heard grown or become more, people becoming more accustomed to over the last 20 years. I think about what has been the history of the black church, you know, going back and just more, more recently, I'm just thinking, just thinking about, and again, I know this is kind of taking it off the context of marriage, if you will, but in terms of what was the role of the black church in the black community? But if I think about it is, Education was a, a huge role for the black church in terms of when we could not go to schools to be educated, where did we get our education? When we mm-hmm. could not hold roles in the communities, leadership roles, where were, the, where were those areas where we could have those, uh, those, that, that sense of coming together, educating ourselves, when we could not have, when we did not have the institutional uh, uh, structures to support us? It was the black church that was there to provide that, uh, that foundation, uh, to provide that instruction. And, and even as I think about uh, the, the civil rights era, I just think about we just celebrated uh, Martin Luther King Day. Um, you know, we, do we forget that Martin Luther King was a, was, a, was a pastor? And so from that perspective, he was a leader in the community. And so rather than focusing on, you know, uh, and, and I will be first, the first to, to admit that there have been abuses. And, and for that, I am I'm deeply saddened by people that have been hurt uh, where, where um, you know, where, where people have been uh, hurt or turned off or turned away, misled in some ways. But that is, uh, I think those are instances where people are living contrary to the doctrine that they purport to, uh, to believe, which is that God is love and that God loves uh, uh, us and that God has a, a, a desire for us to be strong, to have abundant life. Uh, that is what God is really, what the intention is. And so when we, when we miss that or when that is, when we're living contrary to that, I think that's where we, uh, we undergo, we get into, uh, into trouble. And, and also, I think also when, when, 
pastors, ministers, teachers, whatever, are teaching contrary to that, then clearly that's when you're, you're misleading your congregation, you're misleading those people that are, that are following. Uh, and so I think that is what, again, leads to the way that people are seeing the church today, the way that people see even, you know, the church in context of marriage is that there has been misinformation and misleading by uh, leaderships, which is very, very different from what was happening in the the early church as well as the black church initially, I believe. And, and, and one thing I'll just say is this. Just because something is counterfeited, I will put it that way, if the truth is counterfeited, that does not, that does not uh, negate uh, the truth. It just means that we have to get back on track. And I think from that perspective, uh, you know, I'm hearing what, uh, what Umar Johnson is saying is that uh, there are not a lot of uh, men in church and, uh, you know, for, for one reason or another, um, that the pastor is just trying to keep people distracted. I think if, if anyone is of that opinion, if they see that is what's going on, I think that that, that is clearly not what, uh, what, what God is, the intention is. Uh, so let me, let me jump in if I could, if I could, Roosevelt, if I could jump in on you real quick, and I want to get Latrice's thoughts as yeah. well. And so um, just along the lines of what you just said, I do understand that, um, you know, again, from your, your perspective, there's, in a sense, counterfeiting, or you're saying that's not what the teachings are, um, in a sense. I'm just saying, if you will, outside looking in, seeing less men involved, even if it is from, if, as you say, counterfeiting, that in a sense becomes the reality that there, in a sense, are, can be or is seen as a bunch of women in church without men who, quote unquote, can't find hus- husbands. And I'm using Umar's context to say that. I'm not saying these are my thoughts, but I'm just highlighting that even if you're listening to even what both of you are saying, y'all are saying, hey, well, it's not lining up to be what the church wants. We're still speaking to the reality of that's how it appears, and that ends up, if you will, somewhat falling on the church. Latrice, your thoughts, or do you understand kind of what I'm saying as far as the reality, while I understand their differences, hey, that's not how it's supposed to be. I think the reality is playing out for someone like a Umar to jump on it and kind of add that context, whether he's correct or not. It does look that way is kind of what I'm saying. Latrice, your thoughts, Queen? And, and I'd actually expressed similar sentiment years ago um, that that the black church is contributing to black women being female, um, not necessarily from the same perspective, um, but when you look around the church, it is more women than men. And unless you are at a more progressive church, um, the values espoused are not very modern. Um, they haven't um, adapted to the times. They haven't kept up with the times. Um, there are distinct um, gender roles um, where women are typically believed to, to be in subservient um, positions. And, 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 you know, that actually is, is, a, is a big issue um, in dating, having been divorced and, and, and dating in, within the last few years. Um, I was often asked, are you submissive? And when I would ask for a definition of what that meant, they couldn't provide me with one. Um, so they are taking bits and pieces of what they believe to be church and trying to apply it to relationships and don't even know how to define it. 
So I do believe that um, the church is a big contributor to when black women remaining single. Let me challenge you. Go ahead, go ahead. I just said particularly those who are staunch in their belief. Okay, let me let me challenge you real quick, and then I'll get Roosevelt and Renita back on, on on this as well. So my challenge is, I hear exactly what you're saying, but again, just how I'm just listening to you, and as you say it, then if you know, maybe that's the issue particularly for you, but in a sense, if that old teaching or those ways that they're holding on to. And like you said, being submissive and what does it mean and that type of thing. If that is the teaching, then why does it? Why are there so many women in church versus there are no men? Do you understand what I'm saying? Like it, it kind of goes counter to what you're saying in the sense that the teachings are saying, "Hey, women should be in this place." But to Umar's point, and you know, again, my own observation is there are things, at least in the black churches that I've been in, there are a lot of women and not not, not that many men. So the, that teaching that you don't like is there, but plenty of women are in the church. Any thoughts on that? And then I'll let Roosevelt and um, Renita jump in as well. I think, that, I think that women are there because they're looking for a place to help with the hurt, to help to heal them, and that's where they, they go to to find that. Because being black in this country is, is difficult, but being black in, in a woman adds an extra layer of oppression to, to living in, in society. So I think that women are seeking a place where they can heal, they can find solace, they can, they can find hope, whereas men um, don't necessarily find that appealing. They don't find it appealing to sit in church on a particular day of the week for a few hours. They don't find it appealing to read a book that, that was written, you know, allegedly written thousands of years ago, so it's just not um, not for them, I suppose. All right, I respect that. Um, Roosevelt, Renita, need your thoughts as well. Go ahead. Uh, you know, to, to Latrice's point, uh, I think there's a different reason why women attend church um, and what they find in, in church that meets their needs uh, versus why men attend. And you know, a lot of times the question, and because I do, we do coach couples, but then I do coach a lot, a lot of women, and many of them I've coached for for years or mentored for years, and it's the the reeducating, and it, it really goes, uh, Montoya, to what you were saying is why would you continue to be in an environment that is not producing and giving you information that helps you to move forward? Yes, you're looking for that. But you've got to find the right place. You've got to find that place where you are progressing, where you're moving forward, where you're getting uh, the word and where you're getting instruction that is not working against you. And, I mean, I, we can recognize when you're sharing something or you're giving direction that, that is not productive in my life. And so why would I continue to stay in that environment when they are, all of us know, there's a church on every other corner. Uh, so why would I continue to stay in that environment that is giving something that's not life-giving is, is really what my question would be. And that's, that's a question that I've had to kind of resolve with, with many of the, the clients that we've had as we're redirecting your relationship, not just with the church, but your relationship with God. Um, Roosevelt, if you will, um, I haven't been to, I grew up in the black church or whatever. I don't really attend anymore just to, you know, keep that. Um, I'll go, when I, tell I go home with my mother, of course, I'll, I'll definitely go with her, if you will. Um, 
But in my opinion, I still, so I think there's, even if as I'm listening to both of you and leading to what uh, Renita just spoke to, I still think the majority of churches are this demographic. So it, it's mm-hmm. going to be fair for me to think that the majority of churches are missing the boat where people, like Latrice just said, from a different perspective than Umar mentioned, but even in her perspective, she felt like the church was doing things that keeps black women single or whatever. And the today's conversation is, you know, about marriage. So we're, we're seeing this that, that demographic, at least when I was attending churches and going to different churches, I seen to see this demographic everywhere. The men were not there. A lot of women were there. So is there mm-hmm. any truth to, in a sense, that something's missing within the church that actually drives this dynamic, which would be outside of what the church, you know, talks about in sense of wanting people to be married and have strong families. And we know how much our community needs that has, in a sense, in general, has some aspect of the church lost that element that they're not helping assist, even in the way that you mentioned historically, the role that the black church evidently played Mm -hmm. in our success as a culture played a huge role. And sometimes we don't give the church enough credit in the role that it played in this instance, not having families we know is a detriment completely. And we would hope that in a sense, the church would assist with that. I'm not saying the church doesn't. I'm just highlighting that that demographic mm-hmm. seems to be so consistent. Mm-hmm. Just what is it fair for people to say the church is, is keeping people single, if you will, is that a fair thought based on that reality in your opinion? That's a, that's a that's a good good question. I'm I'm really uh, wrestling with that even now, and mm-hmm. uh, certainly uh, I've had personally. I can and again I'm just speaking from my personal uh, opinion, mm-hmm. my right. personal experience. I've had excellent uh, experiences with uh, the churches that I've been a part of. There have been uh, men that are strong from the perspective of teaching men how to be men, how to take responsibility for, uh, for themselves and for their families. Um, you know, when, when I think about, uh, you know, I think about the, 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 the uh, people that have impacted my life, even when I think about early in our marriage, uh, when I had questions, I was able to go to men who had been married successfully and get information on how to treat my wife, how to be a father to my children. Uh, So I personally have had very uh, good uh, role models. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I can't speak to everybody's experience, but I can can just speak to my experience. No, I love that. I mean, just even me preparing for this show, I ran into a young man just highlighted, hey, I got the show, you know, I'm always promoting the show or whatever, and I was, I was so maybe it was just a day or two ago, and I was highlighting that this was the topic for the day, and the young man, similar to yourself, was saying that uh, him recentering towards God, if you will, really, really helped him, and uh, he's a young man, just, I don't know how long he's been married, but I would assume not that long since he's young, and he, he highlighted, similar to you just, that um, it helped recenter, and it made a, a big difference. Uh, inside of his marriage, and I've heard plenty of men with those same sentiments. So yeah, to your point, I'm not, I'm definitely not highlighting all one way or the other. Again, we're just kind of dialoguing, you know, through this, if you will. But again, another aspect of current times, 
in reference to have we taken God out of marriage. Here's a, a general question. I'll start with you, Roosevelt, on this as well, uh, just in the sense of um, I have another sentiment that, in general, it seems like, in my opinion, churches of the day seem to cater to current societal sentiments versus, in my opinion, even sometimes holding fast to their doctrine, in a sense, kind of catering, if you will, to current times. And I think that may even be playing a role in what's lost. Again, that's just me generalizing uh, from obviously from my perspective. Um, Roosevelt, if you give me a thought, we got about a minute and a half for a break. So if you need, if you will, just keep that in mind. I'm going to have to go to break before you finish your thought. Go go ahead, uh, Roosevelt. Well, can you repeat the question again? I, I didn't quite. Okay, no problem, no problem. I'm just generalizing that, in my opinion, that I feel feel like current times when I was, in a sense, in church, it seems like the the church seemed to cater to current sentiments instead of, in a sense, holding fast to the doctrine that maybe they spoke to in the past that benefited families. I think some of the catering, um, in my opinion, generalizing here, has played a role in what we see today. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that or not. Now we got about a a minute for a break if you want to just throw something out real quick. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, that catering to current society necessarily, uh, trying to change the message to meet society, I think we have to apply the principle that is taught uh, in Scripture to the society, but I don't think you adapt your, your doctrine, so to speak, to society. Yeah, and I'm just generalizing that I think some churches have fell victim to that just from, again, outside looking in. Um, 912, last week, 913. Yeah, 913, we'll get to you after this cut. This is kind of a long cut talking about the history of marriage, if you will. So we'll get all of y'all thoughts on that. And 912, we will get to you out of this cut. We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. For most of history, the most preferred marriage form was not one man, one woman, but one man, many women. That was throughout the majority of cultures in the world, and it's the one most referred to in the first five books of the Bible. And in fact, through thousands of years of history, the theme song for most weddings could have been What's Love Got to Do With It? Marriage was something you did in order to make alliances, to expand your family labor force. That was the main way they signed peace treaties. Through the ages, the story of Anthony and Cleopatra has come down to us as one of the great love stories of the world. So not a love story. Anthony and Cleopatra belonged to the two most powerful nations in the world. So the idea was, how do you get this alliance? societies became more complex and marriage was such an important political and economic institution there were these huge battles between church and state over who could validate or invalidate a marriage the catholic church was kind of unprecedented by saying first of all that you have to have monogamy and second you can't have divorce and it took nine centuries for the catholic church to win and establish monogamy The love match began to emerge in the late 18th century and began to be accepted. 
So the first draft of the love match, so to speak, involved redefining women and men as total opposites. Women became redefined as virtuous and moral and asexual. Men were expected not to cry, not to take care of emotional things, and to become the strong male economic providers. So a woman was supposed to now fall in love before she married, but she had to marry somebody who could support her. So even after men and women were supposed to marry for love, for the next 150 years, it was very hard because marriage was still about the dominance of men over women. In the 1950s, the advice to a woman was, pretend you're interested in your husband's work. Don't tell him about your day at home. He won't be interested in that. So it's only recently that we have tried not only to build marriages that are based on love, which was itself a radical recent invention, but to build marriages based on equality, which we've only been trying to do for the last 40 years. We're doing it without any roadmaps. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, special guest co-host Latrice Ross this morning's discussion question. Have we taken God out of marriage? Uh, we got a couple of callers that want to jump in. If you're online, the number to get in is 646-787-1691. Our special guests are Roosevelt and Renita Quick from Enduring Love Ministries. I'm going to jump 912 in before we get to the cut because I think they wanted to respond before the cut was even played. So let's see what they have because I don't want to take us off track. Area code 912, last three, 913. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Peace, family. This is Coach Vaughn, a.k.a. The Love Alchemist. Can you hear me? Yep, coming through loud and clear, Brother Vaughn. Thanks for calling in. Again, I wanted to jump you in before because I think you had a – maybe you had raised your hand prior to the cut, so I wanted to kind of see what you had before we jumped into that cut. Yeah, I think, honestly, man, I think our outcomes are a direct reflection that not, not just ours, but all outcomes are really a, a direct reflection. Either great purpose or great neglect has taken place. And the condition of our marriages and our family is an indication that the church, by and large, has failed us. And I say the church because, you know, up until recent years, most of us were, were avid churchgoers or a large percentage of our collective. And so I think part of that can be attributed to loose standards in the church, um, weak grooming and weak training, and I would go so far as to even say insufficient support for healthy marriage and uh, the, the maintenance of a healthy marriage. So we're not, we're, not, we're not developing the product that we want to see as an end result. And you can't just let people get to the stage of adulthood and w- without training and then expect healthy marriages to, to be the result of that. that. That starts at a very young age. And I think we've gotten into the point, um, we've gotten into the habit of thinking that we're raising children, whereas in reality we're raising somebody's husband, somebody's wife, somebody's mother, somebody's father. And that mindset takes on a whole different type of rearing, in my opinion. No, I got that. Let me be, let me say this, and I'm a, I want to hear Roosevelt and Renita respond to you. Let me just throw this out, Brother Vaughn, just in hearing you say that, and you kind of say, hey, um, the church has failed us in a sense. Uh, do you feel like some of what the church has experienced is 
the aspect of, I would say, uh, unwed single parenting in the sense that when you say there's a loss of training, I would assume eventually, um, just like the rest of society, there, there, there was a decaying in the sense that maybe you, you started not having enough families to be able to train the rest of the families inside of the church. Because, you know, to your point, I grew up as a church goer or whatever, and our, our culture has moved away from it. But I'm saying some of it may just be evident to how the society moved as well, and, it, and the church was a little somewhat susceptible to that. Um, your thoughts on that real quick, and then I want to hear what um, Roosevelt and Renita have to say. Yeah, I agree completely. I mean, you know, you can't just pin all of this on black America or black church. When America catches the flu, I mean, a, a cold black America catches the flu. So, you know, what, what we're seeing in, the, in black America is really uh, indicative to uh, to what's going on on a larger scale in America, albeit to a lesser degree. Uh, I respect that. Um, Roosevelt, Anita, any response to uh, what Brother Vaughn had to say? I, I really like what he what he had to say, and I, I really do uh, agree with that. To some, to to a large degree, uh, if we have not uh, been raising people, uh, you know, supporting people with, uh, you know, teaching and uh, support for marriage, uh, so that they can have a successful marriage. And so I, I agree a lot with what he said. And, and I think that's that that's part of the the reason why the whole growth of those of us that are coaches, that are counselors, that are mentors has become necessary because there was something missing in the church, outside of the church, that there was just not that support there. And so, you know, coaching became a avenue, mentoring became a strong avenue by which young people are being taught. You know, one one of the areas that we uh, have taught it in the past for many years is a program uh, called Go for the Gold. And it's for middle school and high school students where we're teaching them healthy relationships because they don't know what a healthy relationship is. And mm-hmm. to, you know, to the coach's point, it is going back and raising individuals in society to be good, productive, productive citizens, citizens uh, that then leads to, you know, good marriages and good relationships and so on and so forth. And, and I'll, I'll say one of the let me, let, me jump, let me jump in, Karen Roosevelt, because I got to get jump around if you don't mind. Um, just sorry about that. Sorry about that. But I'll say that um, yeah, a couple of years ago, one of our top shows in 2022 was why there's so many damn relationship coaches, and that was the sentiment. Mm-hmm. It's so necessary because we're not getting it one partly naturally within families, and there's so much brokenness that there is to a degree a need. Of course, you got to figure out who's teaching the right information or not, but that was one of our top shows. Um, Latrice, before we go to another Mm -hmm. caller, um, I definitely wanted to hear your thoughts. I know it was a lot said in that cup in that cut that broke down a lot of the history, the one thing that stood up about stood out to me, and that was that it took 900 years for monogamy to kind of win, win its way, if you will, um, just based on uh, how humans reacted historically uh, with marriage uh, compared to after the Catholic Church, in a sense, won that battle between church and state. Um, but anything in that cut um, that stood out to you that I think is obviously part of this morning's discussion. Um, 303, we'll get to you in a second. Go ahead, Queen. Well, part of it, you know, we can talk about the monogamy part of it. I do like that we, we go back and, and, and highlight that marriage didn't start with the church um, because it started as a business arrangement, a transaction, um, and then it evolved, particularly in the Western part of the world, into this thing where you, you love someone so you marry them. 
but as it relates to monogamy, um, and you said historical, even my, even by today's standards, there are still some who are challenged with monogamy. So let's be clear about that. One of the reasons why I'm divorced. Um, but I do think that it, when marriage began, it sort of it allowed those base level urges to continue. And modern day beliefs around monogamy is asking folks to um, suppress those urges that are a natural part of physiology, of who we are physiologically. And so, you know, while we expect monogamy, we profess that I'm going to love you and only you, um, from a physiological perspective, our bodies may still be attracted to others, and it's just how much or, or can you or are you willing to suppress those urges. So while the, the Catholic Church may have won the battle of, of getting folks to say they were going to be monogamy, that battle is still being waged. No, absolutely. Let me say this. And if you will, um, Latrice, I'm going to have you call back in because we're getting a little feedback from you. It may come, it may be the same way when you call back in. Um, but if we can get it, if it, if it works, I want to see if you could call right back in, if you will. Okay. Um, right. Yeah. And so um, something that she said, and, and um, I've always thought about this as well, is, and actually it might be me that has the feedback. I thought it was her. I still hear it a little bit. All right. So let me see if I can pause real quick. I'm just trying to see if I can get rid of that feedback. Uh, let me see here. Testing, testing, testing. Okay, it might have been me, Latrice. Let me bring you back in as well. I think it may have been me, actually. All right, sorry about that, y'all. Um, so um, something that Latrice said, and I've said this for years, is the thing about people deciding to get married later, because now we're at the, the, like I think the average marriage rate for men is 28 and for women is 27 or something like that, which is kind of the oldest that society is, society is choosing to get married. And so I think the thing that the church has never considered is as people decide to get married later, you are asking people to unrealistically suppress if, if the doctrine is remain, both remain, if you will, virgins until marriage, you're asking the, in a sense, humans to suppress a natural uh, propensity to have sex for longer than, than, than's ever been asked because our grandparents got married in their teens and that type of thing. And sometimes if you, I, you know, my mother was, in a sense, wasn't married when I was born. And I remember when she got pregnant, that was just, you know, way back in the seventies, this idea that she would go ahead and marry my father. Cause that's what happened a lot of times. If you got somebody pregnant, you would go ahead and marry them. And again, she was very young. But this is starting to be when people didn't get married in their teens and, and whatever. And so my mother and father did not get married. And that has kind of been the sentiment that the church doctrine is, hey, you should make, you know, as, as, the, as the cut said, as a woman, you have to be pure and all these type of things. But if somebody's getting married at 35, is it realistic that they follow that doctrine? Um, Renita, Roosevelt, either one of y'all can jump in, then we're going to go to a caller. Yeah, I think one of the things that I wanted to even uh, address from the cut was that the uh, author was referring to the Catholic Church and she was referring to, um, you know, the origination of marriage. And from our standpoint, and again, this is from our, our viewpoint as, as uh, Christians and from a biblical view, is that when God created marriage with Adam and Eve, it was monogamous because it was the two of them. And 
it wasn't about love because when you look in, when you read in Genesis, it was, there was nothing about uh, Adam and Eve being in love. And that's the reason why, you know, they came together in marriage and consummated and all of that. And, and so what has happened over the years in society, as we define that, and as we put the parameters around that and how marriage should be, uh, how marriage should be and what it consists of and what it consists of be happy and so on and so forth, we get into those, those conversations about what we think marriage is and how it, you know, how a couple should uh, function inside the marriage and what love is and all of those different things. And again, for us, what we have discovered personally, and as we work with, you know, thousands of couples and teaching, is that when I go back to originally what God intended, I start from a different place. And so now I'm talking about those principles. I'm talking about those instructions. I'm talking about those guidelines that the Bible throughout starts to give direction about, and that becomes my starting point versus what society says. And, again, that is from our perspective, right. from, you know, that. a spiritual perspective. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I just got to go to another break, Roosevelt, so I want to let you jump in at this point. Okay. Um, I will highlight um, that the cut did point out that, you know, even within the Bible, though, the first, as, as it said, the first five books specifically highlights um, a lot of the allow polygamy, polygamy, as if you will. So even from that perspective, and again, I don't disregard or disagree with your perspective that the Adam Eve story is told from a monogamous standpoint, but we do see in the first five books of the Bible, uh, polygamy was kind of, in a sense, the, the lay of the land um, in general. And I'm not saying that in itself makes it wrong, and I've done shows, polygamy is still marriage. So, um, so again, I'm not... And I'd like to add a point when you come back to all right, cool. Yeah, we'll let you do that. Coming back from break, we'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. What happens when your customers call your business and you're too busy to answer or call them back in a timely manner? You lose that business. Shockingly, 61% of inbound calls go unanswered. But fear not, TCHmedia.ai is here to change the game. We specialize in capturing, nurturing, and converting your prospects into loyal customers. With our state-of-the-art communication solutions, no interaction will be left behind. When you miss a call, we've got you covered with automatic, engaging text to keep your prospects connected and eager to choose you over your competitors. Don't let potential customers slip away. Make the smart choice with tchmedia.ai and skyrocket your conversions today. tchmedia.ai is here to change the game. Change the game. Not, hardly any of us are saying we need a man to make more than us or we need a man to take care of us or we need a man to pay our bills. Um, no, no, really, truly, hand to God, we really just really would love to be partnered with someone who is similarly positioned. Well, let me look. But look, look at the, 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 the lingo, the narrative, the verbiage, right? She's saying partner. Men don't want a partner. They want a wife, and it's a difference. There's a difference between a wife and a partner. You get a partner when you go going into business together in corporate America or you start in a company or, you know, people have certain roles that they have to fill and, you know, we look at you as an equal. We are not equal in any way, shape, or form. And, and 
that goes both ways, right? Women are not equal to men, and they get a lot more grace when it comes to certain things that's tailored for women that's just natural within society and, and vice versa. Men are not equal to women when it comes to certain other things, but, you know, there's always a yin and a yang, right? When, when we're talking about not equal and making you feel safe, if somebody comes into that house, I'm pretty sure that all of that boss chick goes out the window because you're expecting a level of masculinity when it comes to provision and protection, right? And, and on the flip side, you know, we may give you precedence when it comes to nurturing or, you know, what happens as far as certain elements that happen inside of the household and things like that, right? But my point is is that the, the very narrative that you're using to describe what a relationship is, in my opinion, is false. It's off. But can, I just, can, I just, can I just interject one thing? Because yeah. this, this, this is going to be controversial, but this, this is, I think, important. So yeah. the problem with this is that, all right, so a 35-year-old single woman who's making $400,000 a year, right, and that they're looking for their equal counterpart, and that, that makes sense, right? But it's like the difficult part about that is that the equally yoked man who's 35 that's making $500,000, he's probably already in a relationship. He's probably married. And being equally yoked is not always relative to finances. Being equally yoked is a biblical term. That is something that is that is handed down from God and the description of what a wife is and how a husband is supposed to operate with a wife is all throughout the Bible. But we only want to make that, you know, relative to money. And that's the thing that people base most of the time, women mostly, base most of the time of whether or not they want to talk to a man is that they always say, I'm wondering if he's on my level and they're they're referencing finances. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross. This morning's discussion question, have we taken God out of marriage? Our special guests are Roosevelt and Renita Quick, as we hear a cut from Antoine Daniels' um, show, actually reacting to Earn Your Leisure and Ebony Williams, if you're familiar with those voices. Um, Latrice, I know you had something you wanted to say real quick. Um, in reference to before the break. So go ahead, Queen. Right. And and actually that, that cut led into where I was going that, you know, when you talk about Adam and Eve, Eve was a gift to Adam, meaning Adam owned Eve. And in the Bible, much of it, when it relates to marriage, men owned women. They were viewed as property. And so we have to, we can't ignore that as we talk about is God still in marriage? Are we still considered property? Matter of fact, let me share this as a thought, and I would definitely want to hear Roosevelt and Renita's response to this. Sorry, 303, we are going to get to you. Just bear with us. Um, I, I brought some, just some, a few verses here that it, a couple of them I'm curious about, but this is just kind of the context, um, of, I think, of what, along the lines of what you're talking about. So I'll just kind of introduce it here and get both of uh, well, Roosevelt's response first because Renita spoke before the break. So this is First Peter 3, 1 through 5. Um, y'all can tell me what ESV stands for. I don't know what version of the Bible that is, so if y'all want to clarify that for me. But it just says, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of your hair and the putting of, on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, 
which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. So I think those lines kind of speak to uh, what Latrice is highlighting is a concern of hers. Um, Roosevelt, in a sense, your thoughts. And again, this is not putting the church on to task, if you will. We're just dialoguing through all of this sure. stuff. If you know. Go ahead, brother. No, I love it. I love it. So, so first of all, ESV, just meaning English Standard Version, just a, one of the, the, the translations that, uh, of um, the scripture, ESV. But, but it, yeah, in terms of uh, speaking to uh, submission, you know, we, we talked about that earlier. I think there's, there's important to remember that you can take one scripture, you can take it out of, out of context, but you want to make sure that you apply context. Because when we talk about submission, uh, we also have to balance that with what you just read about uh, the importance of submitting to one another, take into consideration that, uh, that the Apostle Paul also said, husbands love your wives. It says, submit yourselves to one another. And the reason that I'm submitting myself is out of my reverence for God. I'm submitting myself to my wife. My wife, there's a mutual submission that we have for one another. And then also, just again, just putting things in context, remember that what, what, what Christ told his disciples, he said, the greatest of you, he said, greater love has no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friend. And he said, the greatest among you will be a servant of all. So we look at Christ as Savior and Lord coming not to be served, but to give his life as a ransom and to serve humanity. He wanted to bring humanity back into relationship from that state of brokenness to bring them back together. And so that's how I would respond to that is looking at the context as a whole, not just as it from a, from a part. Now, I like that. Let me get to this caller as well. Let me throw out this. One thing I have heard consistently, um, one, of my, one of my friends, they are happily married and, and kind of follow biblical principles, if you will. And the thing that I do consistently hear, um, kind of similar to what you just spoke to, that there is an absolutely expectation of being submitted, submitted to one another. So quite often, at least the perspective I've got from my friends who are in a sense under those principles, they don't think of it as the, uh, in a sense, just one having to submit. It is a submission to one another, similar to what you said. So I've, I'm just highlighting that I've consistently heard that amongst some of the happier couples that I know to, in a sense, follow Christian principles. I know happy couples that don't as well, but I'm just highlighting that is something that I've heard consistently amongst them. Uh, area code four, seven, eight, last three, three, zero, three. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Peace and love, family. This is Sincere out of Atlanta. You know I had to call on this one. I figured you'd be calling in, brother. What you got for us, King? <laughs> hey, uh, I, I always like to start with how we contextualize and conceptualize love and how we have to be careful with who we let define it. Right? So most of us, we look at love from an emotional standpoint. The earliest iterations of love was tribalism, right? So even if we're talking poly relationships, that, is a, that, that can be considered a series of monogamous relationships. 
based on the structure uh, itself. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. if we're looking at love, the highest at the highest vibration, the only thing on record as being considered love is God. And we look at the first law of nature, which is self-preservation. That is love for self. And then we move on into tribalism or family. That is love, right? Whether we're looking at the term or not, don't let these movies, don't let these modern ideas wreck the original principles. If we do that, then we can't achieve a thing because we have a poor definition. Now, I, I respect that. I always say that if you have the wrong assessment, how do you come up with the right solution? That's just a generalized thing that I think applies to what you just said. Um, so thank you for those thoughts, Sincere. Um, you know, you definitely can jump on it in and out. Just come on and off the one if you want to get back in. Um, Latrice, any response to anything you're hearing? Um, I'll just kind of highlight um, that um, similar to what Roosevelt said, um, I do consistently hear people who, who speak like they're speaking or even maybe even what Sincere is saying, that it's not always contextualized as a, if you will, a man over woman. Any thoughts on that? But I definitely know that it's absolutely taken that way a lot of times and has been misused to lead to, as we highlighted in the promotion, even women, in a sense, staying in abuse, abusive marriage marriages and even the society and the culture sometimes even encouraging it because marriage is a covenant of God and you must stay and it was being contextualized as a man over a woman Um, so I definitely understand it and do not want to deny that unfortunate reality has been part of our culture as well but again what are your thoughts to again Roosevelt saying hey the submission is to both and again I do hear that a lot today your thoughts Queen Oh, I'm sorry. I muted you by accident. All right, you're live again. Go ahead, Queen. One of the things that you stated was happily married. And, and, and typically those who are happily married can see those things, can see that context there. They don't take bits and pieces and use it out of context because that using, thing, using that submission scripture is definitely being done out of context because when my ex-husband tried it, I actually followed through with the rest of that scripture, and he walked away because he had no response. So part of it is that we, we, we listen to people, we hear, and we take those nuggets, and we run with it without understanding the full context. Um, so, and I agree with what Sincere said, particularly how he defined um, polygamous relationships as a series of monogamous relationships, because typically while you maybe have multiple partners, you are in relationship with those multiple partners. Um, but my perspective was coming from the misuse of of those scriptures, as you indicated, happens frequently. No, it makes sense because I could say, again, as someone who no longer attends, um, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily a believer, but I also have witnessed um, within my own family, um, my aunt, live out those scriptures and it go the other way. Whereas you said it did not work for you. I also can be honest that she, that um, they're in an amazing marriage and it took her kind of holding to the, actually the, the verse that I just read to kind of bring things back in order, just based on in a sense where her husband was at the time, you would never know it over the last 
15, 20 years because um, they speak to these principles and how successful, again, they've helped them. Been. I, again, I've seen people be successful speaking to these principles, you know, at least from my viewpoint of outside looking in and seemingly be successful, whether they're, in a sense, relying on these principles. So I've seen it both ways. I will always admit it to how I've seen it. We are at the top of the hour, so let's go to another break. For anybody out there listening, the number to get in is 646-787-1691. Again, that's 646-787-1691. You do have to press 1 to let us know you want to speak. We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and t-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Oh, how about this one? Excuses made zero dollars an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. And everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk, talk. They still know it's me. Because I look like money. Smell like money. Talk like money. Even walk like money. Right. And to be honest with you, that's why I'm in the relationship space. Because for me personally... I don't respect a man until he's married. Like a man does not earn my respect until he's married and and faithful. Like he could bench press 500. He can make a million dollars a week. He can have a jet. He can have houses around the world. A man does not have my respect. He, He will have my kindness. He will have, you know, my love as a, as a brother as a man, but he won't have my respect and admiration until he can be married and faithful. So is that the highest level of a man? It's the, mar- hi- it's the highest level of a and man. And faithful in particular. It's and a- faithful. Because anybody could be married. That's a piece of paper. Mm. See, real marriage is a covenant. Because when we had marriage with God, we didn't have a courthouse. We didn't have a piece of paper. We have a covenant. So the piece of paper does not mean anything. And I remember my dad telling me that. He was like, listen, if you think that piece of paper is going to change something, it's not. And we have to have a covenant. And this is what you'll notice when you look around. And this is why I was telling y'all with a lot of podcasts that won't bring me on. They, they won't bring me on because they know from my message what I stand on. And they don't want their wives or their girlfriends to see that this is a level of living that's capable and I'm settling when Cherie Gaskins has this mindset and you around here talking to me like crap and you around here talking about I got to give you a hall pass and and every man cheats and all of this. So they don't want to expose their woman who's in the darkness to men who speak in the light, who's showing the light. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, you will notice most black men 
and men in general choose business and motivation over relationships because it's easier to talk about making money than it is to talk about being faithful to one woman and loving one woman purely because what I have come to realize the hardest thing for a man to do and guys always capping in the comments when I say this but they're not really living it because I'm, I'm living it the hardest thing for a man to do is be faithful to one woman and and what I mean by being faithful is not just about not having sex but I also mean by cultivating her heart and mind by speaking life into her by understanding that his greatest strength is his gentleness by not talking down to her by not dictating and controlling and trying to silence her and make her what men are looking for today are robots they want Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. Special guest co-host, Latrice Ross, this morning's discussion question, have we taken God out of marriage? Our special guests are Enduring Love Ministries, Roosevelt and Renita Quick, as we hear a cut. Uh, Tony Gaskin on the Hardly Initiated podcast, one of my favorite podcasts. Uh, Roosevelt, I think I'm going to let you jump on what you just heard, um, Tony Gaskin's about I think it also highlights what Latrice was saying going into the break that people mistake or misuse and take things out of context in a sense for their own doing if you will but in full context it sounds maybe a little bit like what Tony Gaskins talked about and I don't know how many men really want to live up to that and that's you know just keep it in the book your thoughts King yeah yeah so I, I, I like what, what Tony had to say uh, from the standpoint of He's talking about real masculinity, and, and, and I think masculinity, not just masculinity, but manhood in terms of being one who takes care of responsibilities. And, and part of my role as, as a husband, uh, my role as a happily married uh, husband, is that I am taking care of uh, and watching out for all aspects of family life. But I also recognize that we're doing it together as partners, as we are covenant partners. And he, he brought that definition of covenant in. And, and that is so important that covenant is an agreement between two people. And when we have a godly covenant, we are living not by just our principles that we agree by, meaning Renita and I, but we are agreeing with God's principles. And when we do that, I think we become stronger when we live according to those principles. Well, Renita, your thoughts on any of, any of that? Yes, absolutely. And, and again, with, with Tony's uh, comments, it is the principles that get us to the expected end that we're looking for as a, as a married couple. We want to be happy. We want, um, you know, there's, there's goals that we have that we're aspiring for together. And so what are the guidelines that we're following that are part of this covenant relationship that help us to get there? I, I really do appreciate what Latrice said before the break, because again, it is, it is not, it is misusing the scripture or misusing the teaching, which, which takes us full circle to the, the first clip that you played by uh, 
Omar Johnson, of what is being taught. How are men and women being taught on how to live in covenant? Are they being taught to live in covenant? Or is it about, you know, the societal expectations and so on and so forth? So, again, what Tony said and, and what Latrice was alluding to, I believe, is what has not been taught correctly, what has not men and women have not been held accountable to, which are those principles and those guidelines of covenant marriage that God outlined in the in the manual in in the Bible. Here's what pops in my mind when we're talking about this and just kind of walking through this thing. And it was the today's question is, have we taken God out of marriage? And so uh, we were highlighting a few minutes ago and y'all play a role in, like you said, mentoring young people and mentoring other couples that have been doing it for over 20 something years. And just highlighting in a sense, the need to have coaching in this space of being in relation, right? We're not seeing it naturally, so we're having to have coaching and things of that nature. Uh, I would just, what came into my mind is um, a lot of the femininity coaching that's out here, you know, by the coaches. Again, I'm not denouncing any of it because I have some that I brought on the show that I absolutely admire. Uh, matter of fact, Brother Vaughn, uh, as he mentioned, he's a relationship coach that I highly respect and I bring him on the show. So in a sense, a lot of those teachings, I would just like to highlight in context for today's show, a lot of the things that are being taught, in my opinion, are not necessarily put in the context of the Bible or God, but those principles mm-hmm. seemingly, seemingly are, in a sense, from the same space of respecting that man and the husband and what, you know, what kind of speaks to us as men and that type mm-hmm. of thing, and then how general, like Tony Gaskin is saying, how general we should be in being able to cultivate not only um, – uh, you know, but her mind and making pouring life in her. Those, those principles, whether you use the term God or not, I think those values mm-hmm. are out here in a lot of the teachings, whether the people use God or not. Just wanted to throw that out and hear your thoughts on that um, as well. Go ahead, Benita. I 100% agree with that. Uh, you know, we said in our introduction that we started in this whole space, this coaching space as teachers and facilitators, uh, and we did that for nine years, and we did it under a federal grant where you did, you could not use, uh, you know, God religious, and scripture yeah. and any, any kind of re- oh, religious okay. re- reference. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. yeah. And so we did, we did that for nine years when we were in Ohio, and we taught and facilitated thousands of couples. Here was the difference that we found, uh, Montoya, is that, and we had couples that took the class, and, and most of the classes were 12 weeks, and we were facilitating couples. There were other facilitating couples. We had couples that would take our class, and they would take somebody else's class, and they would come back and take our class and, you know, repeaters because, yes, they were learning the principles. Yes, they were learning the skills, and they were acquiring the tools. But the application, it's almost like it would not stick because of the condition of their heart, if you will. And so it's, it's like the, 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 the person that plants. If I put seed in bad ground that has not been cultivated, then the the chance of me having a good crop is diminished, and that's what what happened a lot of times. And you know, once you once you've been coaching people, you know, two three rounds, you start to get to the real heart of where they are and what the issues mm-hmm. are, and you know, trauma from the past and so on and so forth. So you start to get to what the real root that needs to be dealt with in order for those tools and those principles and skills to land. And that's what made us really 
transition into that biblical base of teaching because we were finding that with these couples, without that reason, without, you know, that solid foundation, they would just revert back to some of the things that they were doing prior to learning the skills. And that hugely made a difference. You know, we okay. it was our experience and our life with the things we dealt with, and then as we start coaching couples from those principles, we start seeing a major difference in those okay. in their lives. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Latrice, any questions, any thoughts, or anything for um, of course, I have thoughts. <laughs> so um, I wanted to actually say that um, for many black people, um, we don't grow up with the privilege of seeing healthy relationships. We don't see mm-hmm. loving relationships, and many times we don't even see marriages. And so once I was divorced and I started, and after I completed therapy um, and I started dating again, one of the primary questions that I was asked is who taught you how to love? And more often than not, they would say that they never had anyone teach them or I taught myself. And some who were more self-aware said, I don't know because all I've seen is dysfunction. And so while, you know, we can we can talk about um, bringing God into a relationship, but I don't think we can talk, we can have this discussion without talking about bringing therapy mm-hmm. into relationships, particularly as they relate to the black community, because we live in a society, regardless of what the the, the mainstream demographic has to say we live in a society where black and brown people are oppressed and that that hurts us not seeing healthy relationships we don't know how to communicate with each other that was a huge factor in my divorce not knowing how to communicate not knowing how to disagree agreeably we don't understand emotional intelligence and understand our emotions and how they impact our relationship with other people and so we cannot have this discussion without talking about the importance of therapy. And and, and coaching is great if you're trained. The only reason that I say I don't include coaching is because there are no standards in coaching in a lot of areas. I've had a person tell me he was a relationship coach, and when I asked what qualified him, it was because he had 4.5 children with four different women. That's what he used to tell me qualified him as a relationship. (laughs) He's not been married to any of them. And so when we have these discussions, and it's not either or. Like he had you can a lot have of experience, though. And you can have he therapy. He had a lot of experience, though. <laughs> right. But not in healthy relationships, clearly. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. Not in healthy relationships. <laughs> All right, don't be knocking that man's experience. <laughs> oh, trust me, he got not. Trust me. And then let me tell you what he did. He said, you know what? You're smart. I'm attracted to you. I'm getting turned on. Boy, if you don't get out of my inbox. <laughs> <laughs> right, we, got, we got about 30 seconds before break, so let me go ahead and get into this next break, and we'll keep this conversation going. If you're out there listening, the number is 646-787-1691. Absolutely agree with you, Latrice, on the concept of therapy. Um, and, and we need to highlight that sometimes, uh, not necessarily in this conversation, but sometimes people forego the therapy in a sense and rely in God in a way in which they still need therapy and that reliance can negate them sometimes getting both or still needing the therapy that they need to get. And we've talked about that on the show as well. So um, very, very fair point by you. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mr. Dialogue talk show where all I ask is that you think. Psychologist Dr. Gerald Hassel and Omar Buckner founders of Self Mastery Retreats International 
proud to present a transformative experience specifically designed by black men for black men. This immersive retreat offers a unique opportunity for black men to forge deep bonds, enhance their personal growth, and empower themselves to create positive change in their lives, families, and communities. For five days in the sacred surroundings of Puerto Morales, Mexico, a select group of powerful black men will embark on a journey of self-discovery, creating a safe and supportive space to share their experience and build a strong sense of community. This trip will truly transform your life and takes place February the 15th through 19th, 2024. If interested, text SELFMASTERY to 678-548-2456. Again, that is SELFMASTERY to 678-458-2456 to receive a direct link for the retreat. One time, my husband was coming home for dinner. Dinner time is very important to us. One particular day, my husband was late, and I could feel myself getting a little bit like delayed. And Holy Spirit said, when he comes in this house, you make a choice of how you're going to greet this man. Holy Spirit says, because you have no idea the things he's had to fight today. So even though you don't know why he's late, when he walks in this house, you greet him like the king he is. Then I hear the door turn, the the key coming, and Holy Spirit said, it's almost time. When he comes in this house, you decide if you are going to be the type of woman who brings life or you bring a knife. So he walked in, and I greeted him, I hugged him, I let him know I was so happy to see him. And he just melted in my arms. He said, let me tell you what happened today, what I've had to deal with. And it broke me down because there's a scripture, Proverbs 31 and 11. It says, the heart of her husband safely trusts her. When you endeavor to be a woman who follows the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit will teach you how to love, how to be safe, how to be nurturing, and how to be the type of woman where a man comes home and he knows, I fought out there, but I never have to fight in here. I'm home. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question, have we taken God out of marriage? Special guest co-host, Latrice Ross. Special guest, Roosevelt and Renita Quick. Um, any response or anyone to that cut? I don't, any of y'all can jump in on that cut. I thought it was just a nice cut that gives a perspective of someone who's living out those principles and how it helped her avoid, if you will, a potential fight, you know, out of her natural worry that something's wrong or whatever, but she had to decide, how am I going to speak to my husband when he comes to the door, even though I've been worried? She chose to, as she said, listen to Holy Spirit. So I thought it was just a cool cut for this morning's discussion. So anybody can jump on that, on, on, on that one. Actually, well, I'll, 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 I think I may have heard Latrice jump in first. I'm going to let her jump in there real quick. Go ahead, I was going to say, I actually watched that video um, even before you, you, you reached out to me about this show. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's absolutely correct. And I think for me, a lot of these pieces coming from the, the scriptural or the, the, the godly perspective only tell half the story. And, and um, you know that I, I've had, you, you see, you commented on some of my posts that I've had about John Gray um, and about how women are supposed to be these patient beings while men grow up 
um, when and you know get when, until they get be there for them as a safe place until they get done dilly dallying around with other women or men or whomever it is that they're they're doing their their things with. But the home should be a safe space for both parties. Um, it's not a it's not just the woman's responsibility to make a peaceful existence for her husband. She absolutely should. But that husband, and and you know there's this little cliche, this meme that goes around. If you want um, a woman to create heaven at home for you, then don't be a devil. Um, and I believe that's absolutely true. We should definitely, you know, ensure that both men and women understand how to make the home the sanctuary where they both feel that it's, that it's a place of peace and where they can come for relaxation, kindness, understanding, love, and escape the the issues that we all face outside and in the world. I think, need I think I heard you trying to jump in as well. Go ahead, Queen. Yeah, I, I think Latrice, the, the way she said it, just wonderful, uh, and, and that's exactly what I was going to say as well, is that it becomes in this covenant relationship, uh, in that mutual submission, it becomes not just her responsibility, but his responsibility, which now makes it our responsibility. And so that's how oneness is created, because both of us are are committed to what we know the word is instructing us to do and and there's a role for each one of us to play i I also wanted to to uh, respond to something uh really powerful that latrice said before the break um and that just you know again really relating to the whole coaching aspect and counseling aspect and again it goes back to you know some of the things that that we do in the in the church sometimes a, a good coach is has been trained, just like she said. And one of the things about, you know, with Roosevelt and I is we know where the line is. And mm-hmm. so there's a lot of assessments right. that we're doing up front. And we know, we don't, we don't just suggest that you go to counseling. We connect you to counseling. We refer you and connect you because we have a, a community of people that when we get to that line where there's domestic abuse, where there's, uh, you know, yeah. addictions mm-hmm. and then there are people who have been trained to help you through that. And so we, you know, we're not going to try to, you know, pray you through something that you need counseling for. We're going to make that connection and recognize when that is necessary. And that's what people need to be looking for. Not just the person who says the nice words and the riddles and it all sounds Mm -hmm. great. You need Mm -hmm. to be working with someone who is helping you to move forward. And, and many times you need to go backwards to deal with trauma in order to go forward. That's what the coach does. We take you when you have goals and places that you want to go but just don't know how to get there. We're coaching you through that. But when you've got trauma to deal with and baggage to unpack and things that, that have to be dealt with delicately, I am going to refer you and put your hand in the hand of a trained counselor who can take you through that. And I no, think, I again, love, I, sometimes in the church, we've not done that as well. No, I love that. I love that. I just want to highlight this, and Roosevelt, you can jump in as well. Um, just even me being in this space of doing mental dialogue, conceptually, uh, mental dialogue, the concept is if we can help improve the conversation inside your own head, you will be better. Therefore, the community is better. And so by have, having built this community, we have a lot of mental health professionals uh, inside the community. 
and I'm a psychology enthusiast, if you will. And so sometimes people are kind of often refer to me or come to me to talk to them through situations. And like to your point, I'm always dropping them off at the point of, okay, this is beyond uh, my ability to help you because I don't have tools. The professionals have tools. Mm-hmm. I can listen very well, yeah. but let me drop you off. Even though you think I have great advice, I am not about to give you the advice on your particular situation when I'm not a professional. So I just wanted to highlight to, yeah. your, to your point how that's necessary. And even for listeners, if you are in a sense, sometimes even when you're the sounding board to your friends and family, sometimes you can be doing more harm versus walking them to therapy and sometimes you have to go together that's a whole nother subject but i just definitely wanted to highlight mm-hmm. the importance of that in the context of this conversation um roosevelt um we've got a mm-hmm. quick thought on that i want to bring a verse that's always been curious to me out of the bible just to throw it out there and see what you guys think um but if you want to give a thought on that as well i'll let you yeah i i, I like what renita said i like what she said um but referring back to one of the things that just the mutual, when I talk about the mutual relationship, the mutual respect, I, I thought about going back to First Peter, it says, in the same way husbands must give honor to your wives, treat your wives with understanding as you live together. And, and th- that is that part of, that's how you de- develop that mutual respect in your relationship. That's what builds one another up. That's what gives a confidence so that you can let your guard down with one another, that you can be transparent with one another, that you can open up to one another. Earlier last year, well, uh, early last year, I was going through a a deep, uh, dark time. And rather than play into the society's role that men have to be hard, men can't show emotion, I had to tell Anita, look, I'm going going through something right now that, that, I, I don't feel healthy. I'm, I'm, I'm con- my mind is racing. There was a lot of things I was going through. And so I had to be able to know that my wife was a safe place person to open up. And through our history together, she's demonstrated that. So we created that type of environment amongst ourselves where we felt safe to open up to one another. I felt safe to be able to uh, refer her to. And one of the things that she referred and suggested is, honey, why don't you find somebody that you can talk to? And that, that's one of the things I was doing is looking nice. for uh, a counselor that I could talk to. Now, I love that. Let me highlight this real quick before I share this verse. Again, it's just for anybody out there that's listening live now. And two-thirds of people listen on their own time on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. So a lot of people will hear this later. Um, but just speaking to you, the point that you just spoke to, uh, with a lot of the traumas that are out there, and again, just trying to understand this thing called relationship, and we love having these dialogues about this type, this particular subject, again, because I think this adds to strengthening families. Here's a reality that I, uh, to your point, uh, Roosevelt, being raised in a society where men, in a sense, are, in a sense, told not to do, be vulnerable in that sense. Uh, there's also a lot of men who, who have the context of that, um, they've had experiences within their relationships or sometimes even in their marriage where the the woman, in a sense, didn't make them feel okay with being vulnerable. In a sense, it got used against them. And, and what happens is that can happen just within a quote-unquote boyfriend relationship, boyfriend-girlfriend relationship, if you will. And the reality is that happening once or twice will harden men to the extent of thinking, I can never trust the woman that way. And so a lot of men will carry that Fairly, even if they have, in a sense, the right woman who, who, would, who would not burn them because they've been burned one or twice. We're not too good at opening up 
um, emotionally if we've been burned in that way. So beautiful that, in a sense, you and Renita have that 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 situation. But the unfortunate reality for a lot, and this goes both ways, not just men. Uh, you know, um, I think women are, in a sense, more willing to take risk in a sense when it comes to love in ways that a lot of men will, you know, be in relation, but they won't necessarily become vulnerable if they've been burned once or twice. So um, definitely beautiful to hear y'all say that. I wanted to highlight this one verse is maybe in a sense it's probably going to be out of context anytime that you share a verse, uh, but just I think it's just worthy of talking about, and this goes back to uh, where Latrice was saying, hey, people use these verses in a way to where um, it doesn't seem fair or, like she said, men own their women. So there's um, these verses from Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 22, 28 to 29, ESV again. Uh, this verse right here has always been curious to me from someone who asked a lot of questions and I don't always understand it. Uh, but it says, if a man meets a virgin who is not betrothed and seizes her and lies with her and they are found, then the man who lay with her shall give to the father of the young woman 50 shekels of silver and she shall be his wife because he has violated her. He may not divorce her all his days. So I can see how people easily, and again, this is me not understanding this verse, can easily take these verses and see it as some type of ownership. Because when I read that verse, those two verses in themselves, it seems like the ownership that Latrice was referring to earlier in the show. So I wrote that. I'm going to put it right back at you. Help me understand the context of this, these two verses, because this looks very much like ownership in my opinion. Absolutely. A good, good question. And, and the one thing I, w- I will point to is that this is a part of what we call Old Testament, Old Testament law. There were a lot of things that were, uh, were put in place. This was after what we call the fall of man. There, there were consequences for um, uh, rebellion, for disobedience, if you will, to God's original purpose. God's original purpose was for man and woman to live together in paradise for a lifetime. That was, that was the original purpose. But because of disobedience, laws were put in place to, quote, unquote, give guidelines to govern, uh, to govern relationships. And so this is part of that Old Testament law. And, and honestly, uh, unfortunately, after the fall of man, after that disobedience, then these strict laws started to be put in place. And this is one of the consequences of disobedience. Now, after – Let me do this real quick. I'm sorry. I got a couple of breaks. I got a couple of breaks I, got, I need to go to, so I'm sorry about cutting you off. But I think what I'm hearing, yeah, no again, I want to understand this. What I think you're hearing is it's almost like – it's almost laid out to say, look, here's the risk of you even doing this. So it's not even so much, mm-hmm. if, I'm, if I'm hearing you right, it's not even so much that here's what you must do if this happens. It's almost saying, hey, here's a huge consequence. So are you sure you want to make the mistake of doing this knowing that this consequence is here? Is that is that a fair way for Absolutely. me as a layman seeing this quote-unquote law being handed out? is almost like an over-consequence to keep you from doing it, right or wrong, is that how I should understand it versus just believing this is what God wanted to happen? Is that a fair way? Just hearing you very briefly. That's a very apt way to put it. I I couldn't say it better. Okay, let me jump to this break. Sorry to cut you off, but I just wanted to wrap it up and get to the break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. 
What happens when your customers call your business and you're too busy to answer or call them back in a timely manner? You lose that business. Shockingly, 61% of inbound calls go unanswered. But fear not, tchmedia.ai is here to change the game. We specialize in capturing, nurturing, and converting your prospects into loyal customers. With our state-of-the-art communication solutions, no interaction will be left behind. When you miss a call, we've got you covered with automatic, engaging texts that keep your prospects connected and eager to choose you over your competitors. Don't let potential customers slip away. Make the smart choice with tchmedia.ai and skyrocket your conversions today. Understand this about men. I don't care what any man ever tells you. The longer you make us wait for the cookie, the more we will value you after we get it. Do you understand me? Time does matter. With that being said, I want you to understand this. With that being said, if a man respects women, it doesn't matter how soon y'all did it. And if a man does not respect women, it don't matter how long you made him wait. Make sure you know how he feels about women, and there's no better way to find that out than to ask him how he feels about his mother. And the last point, Queen, don't make the mistake of so many sisters who look for men who they have something in common with, right? We both psychologists. We both watch the reality show. We both like to read. We both like the beach. Uh Uh-uh. That's superficial. You should be looking for whether or not y'all share the same values. He like to spend money. You like to save money. You want to have a lot of children. He don't want none. You believe in a relationship with God. He don't believe in God. You believe in saving for retirement. He wants to live for today. Study a man's values and make sure you can live with what he believes in. And the last thing I know I said three, but I'm going to give you this. You can never change a person. When you meet that man, queen, ask yourself this and be honest with yourself. Can I live with him as he is if he never changed for the rest of my life? Never get married because you think it's going to make the problems go away. Marriage will only highlight and intensify the problems that are already there. That's a bar. That's a bar. Welcome back. Can I get an amen? (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Oh, yes, you can get an amen on that. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Ms. Latrice, I don't think you ever thought you'd yeah. agree with Omar on anything, did you? Absolutely not. <laughs> I, 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 I threw you a monkey wrench on that one. You did, but a clock is right twice. A broken clock is right twice. <laughs> so um, anyway, I wanted to bring that into context because when we asked the question, "Have we taken God out of marriage?" Uh, if you've been tuned in or just now tuning again, tuning in this morning's discussion question, "Have we taken God out of marriage?" And I just wanted to highlight that um, that's Oop, Dr. Umar owner Harley initiated again just to highlight that podcast. Uh, but just in him giving that sound advice, um, in a sense, is great advice not in the context of God, 
uh, if you will, at least from the way that he said it, but he highlighted the reality of if, if two people have that difference of one believing in God versus one not and that type of thing and what factors it could play. Um, but in speaking to the waiting game, here's something that um, I feel like I figured out in my early 20s. I'm 50 now or whatever. And so while I, in a sense, moved away from my early church teachings, if you will, Here's something that I felt like I always understood in reference to the, if you will, the waiting of moving into a, a sexual relationship. Because, again, I do think it is some, I was still stand by, I think it's somewhat unrealistic for <clears throat> the, the, the quote-unquote church, if you will, you know, speaking of it in a collective way, uh, to expect um, adults that are waiting to 27, 28 and older to get married to, in a sense, stay virgins, if you will. I'm not saying the church does that. I'm just highlighting that it. it in, re, in context of reality is not really doable, if you will. But in the waiting game, the thing that I feel like I understood, again, moving, even as a young man moving away from the church, I realized, hey, so four ways to know someone, mentally, spiritually, um, psychologically, and physically. And I realized that the physical situation comes somewhat to Dr. Umar's point was the one that could cloud the other three very easily if I entered if entered into the physical too soon. And so because I came to understand that from a psychological standpoint, again, love being just a, a love of psychology, I'm not a psychology major or anything like that, but I've always loved the field. Are you still there? I think he may have left. I mean, he may have gotten um, kicked off the internet, but kind of the, the direction that he was going, I too am a, a um, student of psychology. I actually have a master's in industrial and organizational psychology and contemplating a PhD. Not, not, uh, not certain about that, but I honestly think that relationships, um, having courses in like how to communicate and, and things of that nature would be beneficial. Um, as a precursor to marriage. Um, one of the things that I learned, I do, um, you know, diversity work. One of the things that I've learned in one of my classes is the amygdala hijack, where when you are confronted with an emotional situation, the chemical secretions go to the, the primitive part of our brains first, our fight or flight instinct. And that's why oftentimes when we get into situations where we are disagreeing as, as, as partners, as husbands and wives, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, they turn into these really um, horrible emotional. arguments because mm-hmm. where we are very emotional because we're coming from that primitive part of our brain, fight or flight. And, and so we, we say things that we may not mean. It takes 22 minutes for the chemical secretions to get to our, our, our um, mm-hmm. modern brain. Um, and that's where logic kicks in. And so one of the mm-hmm. things that I was working with a group of folks and I told them, you know, take 20, when you feel those emotions rising up, take your 22 mm-hmm. minutes, step outside, cool off, and come back and have a conversation when cooler heads prevail. And it's just things mm-hmm. like that that could help relationships um, last longer because you're learning, okay, this is a part, I'm learning this from a physiological perspective, but this can help my relationship. And I actually shared that in a corporate training, and a few months later, a guy came back and told me that he told his wife about it, and they had employed that in their relationship, and they argued a lot less than they did prior to learning that. So there's a lot that 
that studying yeah. our body, studying our brain can help us as it, as it relates to relationships. You know, Latrice, that, that, that's the thing that, I, that Roosevelt and I enjoy so much about the opportunity to teach, to facilitate, to mentor, to coach, and especially in our community because we realize, you know, when we look at the divorce rates and whatnot among African Americans, it's the highest in the United States. Um, and so when we, when we have the opportunity to educate and to mentor, it, it, I mean, it's, it's just, it makes a huge difference for us because it is the thing, and, and the scripture says this, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And you just gave an example of very simply understanding how your physical body, your, uh, your uh, uh, not, uh, hormones and all of those different things are working that you're not even aware of in most cases. How it's naturally working and it, it has that uh, effect on how you're communicating and how you're resolving the conflict. I think, you know, we teach high school students about healthy relationships and we teach a whole concept about bonding and we teach about the hormones that are released during different aspects of bonding when you're holding hands, when you're touching the person's face, when you're touching uh, above the waist, uh, on top of clothes, under clothes, so on and so forth, and, and what is happening naturally in your body, which is why you now want to have sex, because that's the way God designed your body to, to, to respond. And, and it's amazing because you're looking like, I never knew that. I never right. understood that. And now all of a sudden there's a understanding of what's happening. So it's, it's not, you know, I grew up in the church where it's like, don't get pregnant. And it's like, okay, but tell me how to not get in the back seat first because, right. you know, naturally I'm wanting to go there. Once I begin to understand that and teach that such that you're aware of what's happening in your body naturally, that makes a whole difference in how you're progressing through this whole dating aspect. Uh, what what my boundaries are, what I do, what I don't do, when I do it, who I do it with, because I understand how this is operating, even, you know, it, where before I didn't have that knowledge. So you're absolutely right in that. And, and one of the things that I've also learned. Okay. Go ahead. I was just going to say that, um, one, you know, you talked about the chemical secretion. Oxytocin is one of those things. And when you yes. Yes. engage yes. in sex, it causes you as a woman to want that more, and so you're more you're more likely yep. to overlook those red flags that they're throwing on the play. And as Dr. Umar yep. was saying, you know, talking about things you can't change, once you do engage in sex, that oxytocin starts coursing through your body, you want to feel yep. it some more, so you're going to keep doing it. And I'm going to overlook right. these red flags that he's throwing all over the field. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. It is called the bonding hormone. Yeah, we can hear you. Yep. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you now. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. just checking, just checking. No, I love it. I love the conversation, and I love the conversation because relating it to this conversation, I was just highlighting that learning and understanding psychology, I started to see that while the Bible is not speaking to the psychology, laying out, in a sense, saving physical to ladder because it doesn't cloud, I realized it doesn't cloud you. So I remember saying, even as I was personally moving away from the church as a young man, I realized there's value in this teaching because now I see how it relates to all the things y'all just talked about. So it's kind of like 
it covered, in a sense, those principles covered even when we, in a sense, didn't understand it. But like you said, Renita, to your point, if, in a sense, if it's just being taught, don't do this, don't do this, that's the first thing that you want to do as a teenager yeah. that he told you not to do. So there is, yeah. it has to be taught in a way that makes sense. And so, yeah, I don't think a, a church does, can't just be saying, wait till you're 35 to have sex. It can't do that. But at the same yeah. time, there is value There is value in those principles, and I'm even willing to say that, even from my, if you will, secular mm-hmm. perspective. Um, Roosevelt, any thoughts on everything you've been hearing? Again, I just wanted to highlight that connection seems to fit even in current times um, um, as well, but go ahead, King. Well, I, I can tell you this, and again, this is, I'm just taking this from my my personal uh, my personal experience. Is I was a one of those persons that wanted to save sex to marriage, and that's because I had a high view of the value of sex and who I wanted to share that with. Now, uh, I was, I can tell you, I was ostracized. I was made fun of. You have no idea what it was like to be in the barbershop and uh, yeah, somebody I have no asked idea, me. Sir. You're right. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. I was on so, so, <laughs> so it was, it was amazing how it was, uh, I was, I was made fun of, you know, he's a virgin. Oh my goodness. I can't believe it. But I remember coming back after I got married. This I was 22 years old when we got married. I remember coming back uh, the week after my honeymoon, and my barber pulled me aside. He said, I know those guys are making fun of you, but he said, you know what? I got to tell you, man, a lot of these people respect you for your stance and for what you were able to do. Uh, and, 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 again, it's because I had a high value for saving myself for my wife, and I wanted to, in the process, I wanted to be real with honoring God. I'm honoring God with this. He gave me my sexuality, and so I wanted to share that with, uh, with my wife. And that, that was my, my personal testimony. It was something I had a high value of, and I wanted wow. to honor God and show him how much I love him uh, uh, by saving it uh, as he uh, had instructed. And, you know, the interesting thing honorable. about that let's for go, us. Let's, let, me do, let me do this clear. I'm sorry. We're going to go to our last okay. break, and then we're going to get into okay. um, the retreat that you guys are offering for the Valentine's oh, okay. weekend. So um, let's do that right now. This will be our last break, and we'll close it out. So thank you. But that's, that's amazing, um, Brother Roosevelt. Definitely respect that. Um, you know, again, I have respect for that as well. We'll be right back listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. LNG Technology Services, we are your industry leader in aircraft and heavy equipment repair services. In commercial business for over 15 years, LNG technicians have over 150 years of equipment-specific knowledge and are known industry-wide for returning worn-out, broken, and overused ground support equipment back to the user in working better than new conditions. For a service job done right at a value unparalleled in the industry, contact LNG Technology Services at 478-781-4860. Again, for a service job done right, that number is 478-781-4860. LNG Technologies is a Mental Dialogue Gold member and proud sponsor of the Mental Dialogue community. Calling all married couples. Have you planned your Valentine's Day weekend getaway? If not, we recommend you reignite your passion in your marriage at the Oneness Experience Weekend, February the 16th through 18th, 2024. Brought to you by Enduring Love Ministries. 
hosts Roosevelt and Renita Quick, authors of The Power of Agreement and 30 Years of Marriage Experience, ask couples to reconnect, rekindle, and recommit to their marriages. Are you yearning for a deeper, more purposeful connection in your marriage? If so, the oneness experience is for you and your spouse. Taking place in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina, experience an anointed weekend with plenty of couples' activities, marriage enrichment sessions, such as the strength of seduction and ample quality time together. Again, the Oneness Experience Weekend takes place February the 16th through 18th. For registration details, please visit Enduring Love Ministries International at E-L-M-I-N-T-L dot org. Again, that is E-L-M-I-N-T-L dot org. Tickets are going fast. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. Our special guest, Roosevelt and Renita Quick, are sponsoring today's show and wanted to highlight the Oneness um, Weekend Getaway. So if y'all will speak to that. Again, I've loved y'all giving us your background, y'all's perspective, and y'all opinion on this morning's discussion question. Uh, But we want to highlight the opportunity for others to learn from you and take part in this amazing retreat. retreat. So if y'all will speak to it, let people know uh, what they can expect and how they can, in a sense, stay in contact with you. In a sense, definitely take advantage of the retreat, you know, even how to stay in contact with you in there. Mm -hmm. um, They just want to get some coaching from you or something. Go ahead. Absolutely. Uh, let me just add one quick thing. As Roosevelt told his story about being a virgin when we got married, guess what? I wasn't. And so I was kind of a wild child in college where we met. And so I had to learn, although I grew up in the church and uh, was taught those principles, I really had to learn and understand what uh, oneness was, which is what our weekend is about, and what it really truly meant to be a covenant wife. Um, and and we, I learned a lot of that before we got married so that we could enter into a covenant that will be long-lasting. But we're excited about the Oneness Experience Weekend, which is February 16th through the 18th. It's four weeks from now, and it will be in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina. And what we are endeavoring to do uh, is create an experience for couples where they can get refreshed, where they can reconnect, where they can recommit, uh, and really uh, get teaching, uh, worship time, alone time, where they can reconnect and become uh, and go to a deeper level of that oneness. We're uh, partnering with several other uh, organizations. We have a massage therapist that's going to be there doing private couple massages. We have the Strength of Seduction that's going to be there teaching. They're uh, the premier uh, company that has created exercise programs for couples, and they specifically cater to our community, to the African-American community. And so uh, they have videos that are out there, and they're going to be there teaching on that weekend. And and we're just going to be teaching couples about how to develop that level of oneness according, as of course, to those biblical principles. Uh, it's beautiful in North Carolina. Um, the weekend has been specifically designed um, as, as just a private kind of retreat time, and so we're looking forward to that. You can register for that at www.elmintl.org. Uh, we do even have scholarships available uh, because there are people out there that want to uh, provide assistance for those who need need that in order to have that kind of a weekend. So we're excited about it. One of the things I'm, I'm really excited about particularly is that we're looking to 
speak to all aspects of, of marriage. We're looking at the emotional. We're looking at the spiritual. We're looking at the physical. We will have breakout sessions for men and women where we have, uh, we'll have panel discussions where we can talk about men issues, women issues, and then we'll have times when we're coming together. We're also going to have some, some date night events. So all of that's going to be packed into that, into that weekend. Uh, for the registration, uh, all of the um, costs are uh, covered in terms of your lodging, our, the meals, everything is, is covered for that one registration. That's right. Yep. And for coaching, uh, you can go to our website. And it, our website is www.EnduringLoveMinistries.com. Uh, we even have a free copy, a free chapter of our book, The Power of Agreement, and uh, that you can get in uh, biblical um, Biblical principles for maximizing marital fulfillment. So you can get a free chapter of that and just uh, delve into to that book. The book also has a companion journal that goes with it, because and that's designed for couples to work together to uh, pondering questions and exercises. We're all about couples learning how to communicate and having the space to open up and, and share with each other. So again, you can go to www.enduringloveministries.com. And then you can also uh, follow us on Facebook, and we're at Enduring Love Ministries on Facebook. So that's how you can get in contact with us. Uh, I love it. And um, just highlight, if you're in the Atlanta area, we just announced this at the live experience. Um, Brother Sincere called in. He and I, he's with the Arts and Culture Show, and I have the Mental Dialogue Community Club. We're actually connecting to do a true love experience on February the 14th. So if you're in Atlanta, you can hang out with us on the 14th and then shoot to the mm-hmm. one experience um, that weekend up in Blue Ridge. So highly recommend that people do yeah. that. Uh, we've we got a few minutes before we close the show. I see another caller out there. So you've been hanging on for a while. If you want to get in, you do have to press one. We might sneak you in here before we close out the show. But I actually just thought uh, one of my I want to share actually cut from um, our show at the beginning of the year, I had brother Ed Hopkins, attorney Edward Hopkins on, and we were one of our top shows last year is what is true love. And so that's something that we'll be dialoguing about on our Valentine's day experience. So it'll be a good experience if you will. Um, But his, he, we were basically doing responses to our best cuts called best of, uh, you know, did you hear the best of mental dialogue 2023? And this is his response in reference to our one of our top shows is what is true love, and I thought it was just so appropriate for this show. So I'm going to play it, if y'all will. We'll just back through these few minutes, and we'll just get one quick closing thought from the three of you, and we'll close out this show. Um, but definitely hope the listeners out there take advantage. You will hear the commercial over the next few weeks, but hopefully y'all can take advantage of the one this weekend. Um, but let me hear, let y'all hear this brother doting on his wife, and I just thought it was so appropriate for this morning's discussion. It could never be more timely than it is right now uh, to talk about love. It's always timely uh, to talk about love. I think love in all of its manifestations, uh, the love that men and women and women and women, men and men, depending upon what your dispositions and tastes are, uh, the the ones that we have, the love that we have with one another, uh, that's our raison d'etre. That's the reason why we are here. And... uh, what I can't stop thinking about when I listen to that clip is how my wife and I, we constantly talk about our love affair. We've been married longer than a quarter century. And mm-hmm. when we think right. about what our love looks like uh, on a day-to-day basis, 
uh, we know that it's not what Hollywood depicts, and it's not what you're going to see on TV, uh, but it's the type of love that you're, you can build a nation on. And when we, uh, when we have these kind of conversations in our house about love and how important it is to model it, how important it is to discuss it, to value it, to place nothing above it, uh, we, we, we oftentimes um, we wonder whether we talk about it enough uh, in, in the media, particularly in the black media. I've been trying to encourage my wife for a long time to consider doing a podcast of her own. I think she's getting close to maybe doing it. Nice. And the reason why is not because she wants to be uh, famous. Uh, my wife uh, doesn't really care much for fame. But she watches the news, reads the newspapers, and uh, has philosophical conversations with me, like the ones you know we have, uh, like we had when we were in school. And we have these kind of conversations, and we ask ourselves, what ought we be, what ought we, what should we be doing uh, to help uh, our brothers and sisters out there who might not have grown up in homes uh, where they saw a decades-long love affair between two black folks? And we we have we have that. And ours is working. Uh, it's worked for a quarter of a century. I still love my wife more than anything in the world. She's the reason why I get up. And when I think of her, I think of a blessing. Uh, t- I-, I-, I tell people with a straight face more often than you might imagine, brother, that uh, she's my proof uh, that God exists because I can't imagine, uh, I can't imagine being blessed with something like her, uh, unless something else loved me dearly, uh, because she has made my life worth living, and she makes it so easy uh, in our house uh, to love her. And that kind of love affair is the kind of love affair that I hope all of us get to experience, uh, because I do believe that's the the purpose of a human existence. But uh, but my love in particular is imperiled imperiled, I think, and I think we need to have conversations about it so we all can figure out how we're going to get ourselves some of it and as much of it as we can. Brother Roosevelt, your thought, um, you talked, you highlighted, you mentioned it earlier, the idea of uh, what we hear and see in the black media. We want to be a space here, a mental dialogue, uh, where we are not just talking the typical stuff. I thought it was amazing to hear that brother highlight that for him, though his wife alone let him know that there there is a God. And again, just having to respect his position, I just thought it was a beautiful thing. And I know the brother personally, so I know he meant that, if you will. So when we have a conversation of have we taken God out of marriage? Maybe we have. Maybe the church is culpable for certain things in general, if you will. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think we've highlighted a lot of those principles can and should apply regardless of how you, you know, who, how you view God, if you will. But I just thought it was a beautiful thing, and I just wanted to share it as a part of this show. So if you will, just some, a quick thought on that. We've got a couple of minutes before we go. Um, a quick thought from yourself as well as your wife, and we'll close the show. But thank both of you for an amazing show today. Absolutely. I think that was a beautiful uh, clip. I had heard that before. And I could not agree more. Um, I love my wife now more than ever. And our uh, delight, our goal, it is an honor to, uh, to uh, use what God has blessed us with to help 
to provide an example to help inspire others that we are able to serve. And so we are, we count it a privilege to be able to serve uh, our community uh, through coaching yep. and ministry. I, I think, again, like Roosevelt said, <clears throat> where we are 33 years later is such a different place than we were before. A lot of what uh, what we have experienced in our life is, is the preparation that we had before we got married and then really using those things that our pastor uh, in, inspired and encouraged us to use. Um, and this is the man, I said that when I met him, he's the man that uh, lives a life of integrity like no one that I know. Um, and so having come from a place where my father, you know, left us, uh, you, you have to get over those hurdles. But I'm thankful for him as a husband and as, as a father and as we uh, minister together to our community. Uh, thank you all for an amazing show. Uh, thank you, Latrice, uh, for you know, getting on this show and just keeping it real as you always do, and that's why you are one of my queens of intellect. I'll see all of you all next Saturday and share this show with anybody who needs to hear it. All I ask is that you think. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger. Because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.